what's up? This is Ranting with Randy. I'm Randy, and this is still a rant that has no COVID-19 coronavirus specific introduction, and it may just never, ever fucking have one. What it does have is Lincoln Mitchell uh, checking in with the coronavirus New York City update and where we are in heading into election 2020, where we are in the state of the city, the state of the state, the state of the union, the state of democracy, the state of our mental well-being, the state of hey, the state of just whatever the fuck is going on right now and how we're coping and surviving in it. So here is Lincoln dropping what Lincoln drops best the knowledge. The people want to hear from you. We haven't heard from you for a while, and I'm, I'm like, losing my shit, basically. But go ahead. Well, there's a lot to talk about. We have time. One thing, maybe start with a vote by mail. Fine. Because, you know, for a long time, you and I have been talking about how Trump won't leave if he loses and how he will claim election fraud and all of this. And he, this is already happening. Which you have said from the beginning, which is why if there's not a process in place starting now-ish. And we're seeing, I mean, the New York Times had a story yesterday that they're beginning to think about this. But this is what all of this is about. Undermine confidence in the post office. Get 40% believing that vote by mail is somehow ridden with election fraud. Try to harass states so it's harder for people to vote by mail. Well, he's threatening governors. He's threatening Newsom. He's he's making threats. So this is happening now. It's no longer a scenario that might happen after the election. We're kind of, you know, we're beginning this process. Well, he's tweeted it. He already tweeted the the rigged election of 2020. So it's already started. Right. And, And what concerns me is that a lot of the thinking about what to do about it focuses on the legal. And you have to have this. Obviously, there's a major role for legal teams and lawyers to play here. But... Trump's strategy for staying in office is based on politics and violence and the threat of violence. And that's very concerning because we can't respond to that with more violence. I mean, that's not a good idea. I mean, did you see the tweet, the video that that came out about the hanging, the the hanging? Yeah, the Kentucky governor. I mean, what in the actual fuck is that with kids around? I mean, first of all, it shouldn't happen with anyone around. Forget the fact that there was music playing in the background. There's kids. It's like a fucking sick twisted so, so this is this is uh where we are heading and heading uh, we're already there right we're already right and and the strategy for how to combat this this does not this does not end up with the supreme court ruling trump must accept defeat and him leaving office it doesn't end up that way and we have to recognize that and the hard part is that even given this time of social distancing you know mass mobilization is going to be tough but some form of mobilization and organizing and at least beginning to talk. I mean, you hear what is, say, let me ask you this question though, before I cut, cause I'm going to cut you off. What, what would be the point right now of risking a mass? When you say mass mobilization, are you talking about like, we're getting back in the street with like Shalom motherfucker signs and like, we're going to march down. Well, I'm, talking Fifth specifically, Avenue? I'm I, I am very specifically, I mean, obviously we can't do that right now. Although I think that absent COVID, we should be doing that all along. Um, but I have said that, before all this pandemic happened, that there needs to be a plan to get 30 million Americans on the street, obviously not the same street, but in various communities around the country as the polls close. So that in New York, because we're on the East Coast, it closed first in the East Coast, we assemble in Times Square. If you're living in Virginia or or Maryland, maybe you assemble in a central square in Baltimore or in your county seat or wherever, right, in Boston, up and down the East Coast. Would you not go to the polls first to protect the people that are voting? I mean, what? No, after the polls close. Okay. You know, and and so so maybe by 10 o'clock, whatever time. And then as it moves west, right? Now, this is my pre-COVID plan. The problem is that it may not be safe, and we have a lot of reason to think it won't be safe to do that come November. And that is, in other words, because of the, the social distancing issue. Physical distancing. Okay, not the threat of like violence from these. No, no, but because we could be spreading this disease. Okay. So, so we need to have an alternate plan. I don't quite know what that is, but that's what we need to be thinking about because that show that the majority of Americans want the real winner of this election, this kid Biden, to assuming he wins, to be become president, right? Is the only thing that will move. But I want to raise something else here. There's a lot of people that have said things, even Jim Carville. 
recently said, well, the generals, you know, they all hate Trump. They won't let him do this. I've said this a million times. This isn't a Tom Clancy novel. Yeah. The generals, who's going to order the generals? Mitch McConnell will still be Senate Majority Leader through the end of January, and possibly through to December, and possibly longer, right? Who's going to order the generals? This doesn't work that way. So we need to begin having discussions with the military. What is your role here going to be, right? What is the role of the military? Who's left I mean, in the military that he doesn't fire or 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 get rid of? Well, but there's a, there's a, there's millions of people in the military, right? I mean, obviously the, is, the soldiers and stuff, but the higher is, ups that. What is the role of the National Guards when Trump mobilizes people? I mean, that they went to that they went to the state house in Michigan with guns and were allowed to go there, right? I mean, so so these are discussions that we have to have, and they're complicated and they're difficult. We can do it. Um, but, but we can't do it if we don't prepare, and it's not just a legal strategy because every law in the country, every lawsuit, every court, they don't have teeth, right? You have to then enforce it. And what we, what we need to understand about Trump, and I think this is self-evident by now, is that he doesn't care what he destroys as, in order for his pursuit of power and wealth and staying out of jail. So and in this case, going all the way up to the United States of America as a country, and I would say that to a great extent – the damage that Trump has done to this country, both internally because of the death tolls, but also internationally because of our declining standing in the world, makes that very, very clear that he doesn't care if he destroys the United States of America to stay in power. And with someone, when you're dealing with somebody like that, it's not easy. You have to be prepared for it. You can't expect that because John Roberts, like some deus es machina, descends and says, I rule that there was no fraud and Joe Biden is... I'm Right. Simplifying his president, that Trump's going to say, "Okay, we." It is important to play to, to to operate within the law and to operate nonviolently for for the us. But it is also important to recognize that a legal strategy alone doesn't get us there. I want to be clear. I'm not saying we don't need a legal strategy. And I think there are a lot of lawyers and and, and law school professors and legal academics and people like that. And, and, uh, and, and judges even who are doing the right thing, but it's not going to be enough. I'm just wondering what the tripwire is, because I think all of these, all kidding aside, what's terrifying is that these white supremacist gun nuts, and not every gun owner is a gun nut. And I know we've had this discussion. We don't, I don't want to take everybody's gun. I don't want, that, that, that is not the goal here. Right, but I think right. what's terrifying is they are creeping or have crept right up to the line of just waiting for the last like thread to be pulled so that actual literal violence. I mean, the effigy of hanging someone. Yeah. I, I mean, mean I is, is, to, is 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 terrifying. I talked to a friend of mine who is a little bit older than me. And and she said and she said, you know, they have all the guns and I'm concerned. And then she said, and I was in the United States Army for 20 years and I know how to handle every weapon there is. Right? She's not like somebody out there like she was everything from, you know, RPGs to, to handguns to whatever, right? And she said, and I'm for the first time in civilian life, after 20-year military, maybe it's longer, the military, the army, she says, I'm thinking of getting a gun because I'm now she lives in the Bronx, right? And she's and she's a, 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 a opponent of, of Donald Trump. But but she's scared of these people out there. I think it's a very legitimate fear to almost now, start having. <laughs> right now, now the difference is that, that she's trained and I'm not. So Correct. I'm, you know, Nor am I. Alone, so, and we know that what happens with guns is that you end up shooting people in your own family a lot. So so I'm not advocating that, but I am. But, but that No, but it's getting a, scary. It's they're a very white. rational person who happens to have military training. Um, it's very real. It's very real. And and Like what happens with this North Carolina convention? Like now he's threatening to, to pull the convention. Go fucking have it at Mar-a-Lago. Go bring all your Klan members to Mar-a-Lago and hold your Republican National Convention. Now they're screaming like hang the, you know, everybody's going to have like hanging mannequins like in trees well, all over these fucking communities with these nut jobs. Well, maybe yes. I mean, this is, this is, you know, there is... <sighs> There's a couple points, but but let me before we get to the COVID itself, let me just yeah, this isn't you know, even you, about you that. You raise a very implicitly a very I think fascinating question, which is, you know, when you when you study the Chinese Civil War in, in college or grad school, or the Russian Revolution, or the Iranian Revolution, when you study it in like in high school, there's always the sense that there's a beginning and an end date, right? But what we see is that is that I mean, when did the Civil War really end? Just our Civil War, for example. 1965, maybe. I mean, so so that these things are gradual. 
Some people could say we're still fighting it. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Are we are we entering a new civil war? Are we about to have we already? These things are gradual. It's not cut and dry. And 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 only time will tell. Right. Um, But but I think these are very real concerns. I just want another issue that, that strikes me is that there is a kind of baby boomer trope out there that this isn't as violent. You know, the difference between things are bad now, but in the 60s, things are really violent because the weather underground was blowing buildings up, et cetera, et cetera. But this is extremely violent, right? I Mass agree. incarceration is violence that the state does to people, primarily people of color, right? It is state-supported violence. Police shootings of young or not so young people of color is state-supported violence. Putting children in cages at the border is violence. Which, right? by the way, they're shipping out in the middle of the night currently with with no knowledge of where they're being sent right. or who they're being sent to. So so no, that made a blip in, right. in the Twitterverse and on the news because of all of this other right. I mean, violence. And, 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 and Trump's, you know, mobilizing your supporters with guns is violence. So we are in a very violent phase right now. It hasn't trickled up to middle-class white society, but it's a very, very violent country. Not because people low-income communities are shooting each other, but because the state is performing acts of violence upon low-income people, particularly people of color, regularly, right? And in massive numbers. But my fear is and, that it's going to trickle up to us when we go to vote or the rigged, the election is rigged. My fear is it's going to explode. Right. And, and that could happen, and we have to be aware of that. But we have to. But one way can, we can be aware of that is by beginning to see the warning signs, and there are plenty of warning signs right now. So, so I, I'm very, very concerned, uh, and and I don't see. I mean, I don't see I, anything just, combating the warning signs. That's my problem. Like you see all of these videos on Twitter, you see all of this, all of these parties, all of these people gathering, all of this. We're going to open the barber shops. We're going to cut hair. Right. We're going to spread the disease. We've already spread the disease. And there, there is nothing because of, I think, maybe the death toll is decreasing or the horrific pictures of, like, box trucks, refrigerated box trucks at hospitals have not been all over the news anymore. That's kind of, like, fallen off the radar. And, and I think it's Let me before we Before problem. we go right to there, because I do want to talk about that, think of it this way. To win an election, right – in a country, you need, you know, in the United States is different, but let's just say for the sake of argument, 50% plus one. You need a small majority to get somebody elected president, governor, senator, or whatever. To destroy a country, you need about 30% of the people, right? Mm-hmm. And right now, the majority of people want Trump out of office, want a rational, functioning democratic government, but 30% are loyal members of a cult and they can destroy the country. And, and the long-term damage that no country in the world will ever look at the United States again because of this. And the reason is not because... The smart people outside of the United States are not asking what kind of lunatic is Donald Trump, right? Which is a legitimate question. What they're asking is why did so many tens of millions of Americans support this guy? Right. And we don't have an answer to that question that satisfies them. And that's why they'll never really trust us the same way again. Money? <laughs> no, but I mean, you, know, you have to understand the, 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 the politics of racism in America, the power of white supremacy in America as yeah. a global force. The power of this kind of it, – it is, it is hard to fathom, right? I mean, I mean if you go and look at – spend some time on kind of right-wing Twitter, these are not people who are engaging in politics in a serious way. These are people who are just trying to make stupid, clever points that aren't really true but are just clever enough. Like how come – I mean Joe Biden says a stupid thing. If you ain't voted for me, you ain't black. How come no one's so outraged about that? And at the same time, without actually trying to answer that question in a serious way, which right. will lead you to understand that one party is based around white supremacy to its core and the other is not. And that's why black people vote for, Democrat, vote for, vote for Democrats. Um, I think with this disease, I really have a lot of different thoughts about it because you know we're at 100,000, almost exactly, deaths as of today. We're recording on Memorial Day, fittingly. Yeah, shocking. He says happy Memorial Day, by the way, in a tweet. Like, yeah. the fucking idiot. How many people do you think will be dead by, say, November 1st? So election is November 3rd. Me? Okay. I don't even want to think about it. I think it's going to be over 200,000. I think that's right. I think, I, I'm terrified to say it. It's, it makes and by the sick. end of the year, over a quarter of a million. And, well, and because we have low, winter to go through. I mean. And those are low estimates, right? That, that, that's assuming a little less than 1,000 people a day. So, so there's a couple ways to think about this. 
there's a couple of things that come to mind. One, about two weeks ago, everyone decided this was over. And, and we, you and I, who, who tend to be on the higher end of concern and precaution, need to recognize that we might not be right, right? In some sense, we hope we're not right. right. right? We hope that this is worse, that this is over. I don't think and so. that might And that might be true. All of these people in the Ozarks parting on their little legs, and I shouldn't say little, but on their legs. <laughs> it's a big lake. All of these people going to the boardwalks in Maryland and all these people in Texas where they, the, the Republican elected official told them to take off their masks and hug each other. They may have the last laugh. This may not spread to them. And for the record, I hope it doesn't. I don't want to wish this disease and illness on any, or death on anybody. You're a bigger um, person than me. Go ahead. But, but. I think I might be right, right? And if you and I are right, then the numbers get even more out of control. So, so recognizing that we don't know who's right and who's wrong, we, we can't know the future, but we have our opinions. But a lot of people are just assuming that you and I are wrong because right now, after all these months of this, it's just so difficult. And I recognize it's difficult for people. And I think that, that, that I recognize for my position of privilege, right? I have a house. I have space. I have a stoop I can sit on and catch some rays. You know, I live in New York. Not everyone has a stoop even they can sit on, right? right? I have a dog. I live near a nice park, right? Um, I have enough food, right? My, my work is, I don't have as much, I'm not making as much money as I did before all this went down, but I have enough food. I have cleaning supplies. I would love to go visit my mother who I don't know when I'll see her again. I would love to have my uncle be alive, but I mean, we've all, this is all hurting different people in different ways. Correct. But, but, but I recognize that, 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 that I don't have, I'm not a 10-year-old mother or father or a 10-year-old boy who has to get outside. They're going to go nuts. I recognize that. My kids are great. They sleep till 2. Right. You know? <laughs> then they cook and eat till 3. You know? I mean, they're kind of in their own world. Um, but they create a whole other set of challenges, teenagers and young right. adults. I mean, sure. that's a whole other. Sure. So, so, so I recognize that. But, but, but I also – so this could get much worse. And we've done nothing to prepare for that. And we wait, it, goes, it remains true that we wasted the time between roughly March 15th and May 1st, we as, as a, particularly the federal government. But there's another piece of this, um, but there's another, I lost my train of thought, but so, so, so it is true. We don't know what's, what's going to happen. It could get much worse. Well, it's the fatigue of the people. I mean, we see it in the park. But I mean, but here's another thing. And I'll go back to the park and say, but here's what I, you know, I remember what I was going to say. Okay, go. Let's say absolutely terrible scenario, right? Absolutely terrible scenario. And I think this is too high. 500,000 dead by January 1st of next year. Right? Again, I think this is too high. But we're crafting an, an argument here. 500,000 people is a lot, right? Uh, yes. It's... It is roughly the number of people we lost in World War II, but in one year rather than or ten months, rather than you know, five years almost or four years. But it's one out of every six hundred Americans, right? One out of every six hundred Americans means that pretty much all of us know two or three people, you know, at least two degrees of separation who die. But it also means that that the chances of any one individual dying, especially when you adjust depending on your health, you know, is pretty low, right? So, so that's the worst case scenario. But if it's 300,000, right, then, you know, it's, it's one, basically it's one of every thousand Americans. And, and, and I mean, think about it this way. What if you knew that, the, that there was a one in a thousand chance you would die if you, if you spent your day like normal today, would you do it? No. Some people would, some people wouldn't. I would not. Right? right, you wouldn't, but some people would, clearly, right? What I'm saying is that I think people are going to reconcile with those odds. And they're going to say that it is worth going about my normal life because I only have a one in a thousand chance of dying. Now, the problem is, the problem with that, and again, I'm not a specialist on this, is that that number varies. We just don't know what it is because it's, it's as low as it is because of the social distance. But here's my problem with that. I, I, I see your argument. My whole point I'm is— I'm making an argument what you no, should no. do. I'm trying to say what people will do. I understand that. But here's, my, here's the way I look at it. If, if my choice affected only me— and this was like, I right. couldn't potentially impact somebody else's life. I think it's the lack of humanity that is so disheartening to me. Well, that well, let's think about masks for a second. Go ahead. Okay, let's think masks, right? I wear a mask when I go out. So right? do I. 
when I go running, I keep a, like a kerchief, like a bandana kerchief around mm-hmm. my neck, and I cover my face when I come close, anywhere close to people, right? But if I just walk icy on the block, I mean, I, so during the daytime, because everyone, because everyone wants to take her for one long walk, so I'll take her for like a midday just to get out quickly walk. I don't even cross the street, but I wear a mask. I wear a mask. But, but when you go outside and you see somebody not wearing a mask, unless they are either for some reason, be it a language, um, a, a mental incapacity, they don't understand what's going on around them. But, but leaving those people aside for the moment, anyone who doesn't, what they're saying is, I don't care if I kill you. Right. Right. That's the, that's what they're saying is, I don't care if I kill you. And, and also what they're saying is, my life is more important than yours. Because you're protecting me and I'm not protecting you, right? That's the message. And I don't even know if they think that far ahead. I don't even. I don't even know if I can even give them that much credit to compose that thought. I just think it is such a blatant disregard or just such a lack of awareness. Like if you walk out and you see fifty people wearing a mask and you're the one person not, wouldn't you even be like, maybe I should find out why fifty people are wearing a fucking mask? Like I, I don't. I just, I still can't wrap my head around. Well, we don't know why people don't wear masks, right? We just don't know. Some people really, I mean, and and I want to be clear. No one is saying, I'm trying to kill you. What they are saying is, I'm, you know, I'm not a liberal wimp or something. Some people are saying that, right? Well, there are those people that are coughing on people now in stores that are being charged with with crimes. Yeah, as they should be. Correct. But but, but if they're saying, I'm not a liberal wimp, I'm not going to cough on you, but I'm not wearing a mask, right? What they mean is, I don't care if I kill you. They know enough. Not everybody. Some people may not. You know, it does take. I mean, you know, the, the, we we know from the science that that the reason you wear a mask is to protect others. Now they also say that if you're wearing a mask and I'm wearing a mask, if two people interacting with a mask, the chance of either of them giving it to the other one is quite low. Correct. Right. If one person, then it's a little higher. Right. So it's better if everyone wears a mask. If people, that's been explained enough. That's been explained enough. If you're a member of a cult, a death cult. That says, don't wear the mask because killing people is okay as long as it because it demonstrates loyalty to the cult leader. Okay, that's a complicated psychological dynamic, which somebody with more training in that field should probably address. But the message is still, I don't care if I kill you. It may be, I don't care if I kill you. I'm a fucked up cult member. I've lost my mind. But you're also doing it to other fucked up cult members. So I don't, I mean, the whole theory is completely. Except for that they also interact in other places like stores and streets and places like that. So, so, but that is. That's what troubles me is, is that is that we can't – we can take measures because, you know, it is impossible and nobody wants to for all of us to just stay home the rest of our, our yeah. lives. Right? It's not going to work and you know that and I know that, right? And you know and I know that it is. I mean I have to get my car fixed, right? Should I not do that? I don't know. At the end of the day, I'm going to do it. You know, I'll, I'll, I won't – obviously, I won't take the subway home. I'll, I'll ride my bike or something. But, you know – we're all doing th- – I went to the grocery store the other day, which I hadn't been doing before. Well, it's calcul- now it's calculating risk, and I think that that's right. been the discussion. And it's also but, now being open with people that you know so that I know. And what is your obligation to tell me who you've been around and what their quarantine bubble has looked like? I just had this discussion walking home today because now it's with every this quarantine fatigue – where are you willing to go? Who are you right. willing to let into your bubble? How loosey-goosey are you willing to play Look, 300 with the rules? Million, 330 million Americans, some are too young to make decisions for themselves because they're babies. But for the rest of us, we're making many, many decisions every day, right? And we have to make those decisions both for ourselves and, as you point out, for everyone else, right? But, but there are some easy things, right? Easy things. Wear a mask. Right. Right? Like just doing that helps. Make, make a good faith effort to social distance. Recognize you're not going to be perfect. Just doing that helps, right? If everyone does those easy things, then we can, particularly in areas where the disease hasn't totally gotten its grips on us yet, we can begin to go back to life as more or less normal with those caveats. The problem is that you and I, as ordinary people can only do so much. I can wear a mask. You can wear a mask. I can, you know, on balance, I can stay in most of the time. I barely go out. Right. right other than to walk the dog. So do I. But, you know, if I need to take a little bit of a longer walk, if I do it carefully, I can do it. Right? But also, like, we can, like, there's certain things we can't do. We can't go to movies. Right. Because they don't exist anymore. Right? We can't go to a Yankees game or whatever because it doesn't exist anymore. Right? And that's, 
that's good. Well, they wanted to exist. I mean, Cuomo's yeah, talking about destroy, bringing it back. That's a whole other story, but that's not going to go well. Um, but, but, but the problem is there are things that you and I can't do because we're not the president. We're not the government, right? And that is to put the tracking and tracing system in place. Right. And, test. and if you did that testing and tracing system, then with reasonable precautions, particularly outside of hotspots, things could go back kind of to normal. The, the problem is we don't have that. Also, we live in a hotspot. We also don't have the, the testing across the board has That's been what I'm we don't have it. short of inadequate. I mean, they don't even if, if your swab isn't done correctly, you could be, get a false positive or a false negative. You can right, right. completely be. I don't know. It's that is completely messed up. I think save the mass conversation. I think the biggest concern is this fear like this uprising of, of these insane human beings right. that are now have been given, I mean, ridiculous. With the, uh, the tiki torches was one thing, and that's not to say it wasn't a big thing when they all marched and said, you will not replace us, and they went to these Klan rallies and they shouted all these things. They're legitimately now literally at the line of, they are one step away from, I think, hurting people or causing some type of like mass panic where everybody then wants to get a gun, and then you're you're like in a circular shooting corral because then it's like... Right, right, that's, that's right. Chaos. The, the, you know, I've said this to you a million times, but I, I think it's true. I think it's one of my better sound bites, if I may. You can. That, you know, the distance between the unimaginable and the inevitable is a blink of the eye, right? Mm-hmm. And just to give you an example, it is now May 25th, right? On February 25th, we were walking the dogs, and it was chilly, but we were walking the dogs in the park like normal, and we were discussing this, and we were kind of joking, like, like how serious is this going to be? And, and if I'd said to you, oh, we're going to spend six weeks barely leaving our house. And everyone in the world's going to do that. You just said I was crazy, right? Now it's inevitable that we did that, right? Right. That distance is a snap of a finger, and and when you talk about yeah, one of these, let's say those clowns in Michigan had shot the governor. God forbid. I mean, or that's the crazy. attorney general who is fantastic in Michigan. Right? Yeah, and while Trump's it, going right? after her now, it's all women, amazingly, that amazingly, are kicking like, his ass, which is fantastic. That, right? But but she's fantastic. But what she what I like about well it's a tangent. But what I like about the Michigan Attorney General is she's not she knows that Trump has no power, and and when you expose Trump as having no power, it gets him crazier. He has no power. The only power he has is to mobilize those crazy people to commit acts of violence against her, which is genuinely frightening. And I hope right. she has proper security and all of that. Which is what the but, governor said because she said the scariest thing was when he tweeted at her, and right. that you know she wasn't afraid of those people in the in the that came into the rotunda. She was more worried about. The, what he whips, the insanity that he whips up. Right. But all, but, but the neck, but what if they then, one of those people takes it to a level, another level, and shoots a, an elected official, shoots into a crowd of demonstrators? Well, what that about when the dude was sending the mail bombs around here to all, like, to, sh- right. the, to all the news right. stations and all that shit, and they were like, what the fuck is going on? But, but the, the, it's a tinderbox that Trump has. Yes, created. it is a tinderbox. That's a great analogy. And and you know sometimes no one lights a match and sometimes somebody does. And once somebody does, then it all seems. I mean, it, it is not hard at all to imagine that you know that, that the country breaks apart. And in ten years, we're like, can you imagine how 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 do we how do how did we manage to hold it together that long? Right. So so ten years. There, I can't even look a year. I don't. I can't even look a year ahead. No, I don't mean looking ten years ahead. But oh. I mean like looking back from ten years from now. I mean. If we survive, there's another scenario here. Let's not be all gloom and doom, right? Which is mostly what I do. Yeah. That- <laughs> but, but but there's another scenario. Biden gets 56% of the vote, right? Trump makes some stupid tweets, and, and it's so clear that he's done, that he leaves, and that his cult shrinks to 20%. And, you know, we, we come into January, Biden starts acting like a grown-up. People just stop listening to Trump and once he loses – we have a grown-up leader. We push it down. We, you know, all that could happen, right? And I don't mean to be like this is inevitable that it collapses, but we have to recognize that if it does collapse, it will seem as if it was inevitable, right? And 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 we we are much further down that road than any time in my lifetime. Do we need like a? I, I mean, I have a go bag, but do I need like a government collapsing like go bag? Like, what do I even put in that bag? I don't know. Do I need like do I, do I need a Louisville Slugger? I mean, I have a lacrosse stick. I don't have like any type of any way to defend myself. Or I have like fifteen baseball bats. I know. I might need to borrow one of your baseball bats, and I'm not even. Wait, hold, on. Hold, hold, hold on one second. I'm gonna just take you with me here. I'm not even joking. But here's my 
Here's let me ask you this question, Lincoln. What do you make, honestly, just to go back for two seconds? What did you make yes. of Joe Biden's comment, the whole "you ain't black enough" thing? I think it's stupid shit that Biden shouldn't say. Did you think you know? that he was baited into that by Charlemagne the God? Do you, I think- I, that that conversation took a horrendous turn towards the end. I have, hold on. I have my grandfather's shillelagh. Are you? <laughs> is that your club? Oh my God. Jesus. Lincoln's got to stay. All right. It's good to know. It's good to know that you're also only five blocks away so that I can run down in the case of an emergency <laughs> with, with a mask own. on, of course. So hold Lincoln, on. talk to, talk to me about the comment really quick. Cause I want to get your input on that. Hold on a second. Before you also have smash your phone with a baseball bat. What is that? It's a Georgian sword. A legit from the country of Georgia? Yeah. yeah. Holy. Okay, I'm coming to your house. They're hidden around the house because I think this was given Ashley for his fifth birthday. Okay, maybe a Georgian, a Georgian sword. sword. Okay. This you is, can kill somebody. Uh, yes, you can. Okay, so what did I think? I mean, I didn't see the whole clip. Biden says stupid shit, right? He is, we have to hold two thoughts in our head at the same time. One, Biden is a great, is, is our only hope. And secondly, he's not exactly a great candidate. And he says stupid stuff. I don't like the way he says ain't, as if, like, I'm talking to black people. So right. That was, that was what bothered me more than anything, but go ahead. On the other hand, and, and, and white people should never tell black people that they're black or not. You know, on the other hand, like, this isn't going to cost Biden any votes among African Americans. What it's going to do is it's going to give Republicans something to, like, say. To Put on like, a T-shirt and sell. Like, 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 what do you mean? Trump's not a racist. He said he was, this is what Biden said. And, and when someone says that, the only proper response is, I'm sorry, you are just way too stupid to engage in a serious conversation. Because it's just ignorance. I mean, not ignorance. No, it's deliberately being stupid to try to make a point. Right? And then when you say, well, Joe Biden has not committed his life in government to, to being a white supremacist. And then they scream at you for calling Trump a white supremacist. So I, I don't um, – you know, I think it's I – I can't imagine we're talking about it in a week. OK. You know, because we'll be talking about – other deaths, yeah. I mean, it's other deaths. It's golfing. It's right. the whole. I mean, the hair. Ugh, it's just. It's a lot. It's yeah. a lot. It's a lot. I just. I. I was just really unsure. I, I really was watching. I. I didn't. Wa- I haven't watched the news. To be completely honest, I have not watched much of the news save for Cuomo's press conferences. I've completely De Blasio. I've completely just stopped watching yeah. or listening to. Based. I mean. For for a number of reasons, but I, I I don't. It's all the same shit. It's it's the same horrendous like recycle. Right. And I mean, and look, until we have real testing and tracing in place, there's no there's nothing new to say here, right? I mean, hopefully the numbers are down a little bit. They were up a little bit yesterday. You know, uh, what are we gonna do? But I think it's important, though, on the same token, to keep. To keep that in the news for the people that do watch it so that they are aware that this has not gone away. Because I think the laissez-faire attitude has been, okay, we've come out of the woods yet. You know, we're out of the woods. We can go to the beach. We have to recognize that maybe we have, right? We have to recognize that if we get this down, this could get down to 500 deaths a day. Now, June, July, August, September, October, November, December. If we get down to 500 deaths a day, 500 deaths a day, that is roughly – 75,000 more deaths, which means we end up with a death toll of around 175,000, which is a huge number. But that's the, that's the that's the that's the um, best case scenario. Right. Considering it's supposed to come back and kick our ass in the winter. Right. Right. So. So. But, you know, I mean, I was on a call with a bunch of people. They were in California. They kept saying when this comes back. And I finally said, why are we talking about this like it's gone away? Right. But, you know, the worst the worst may be past us. But we could have a long my, – my, my fear is that we have a long plateau of 1,000 a day, give or take. Nationwide, you're saying? Nationally. Okay. A long plateau of 1,000 a day means another 180,000 deaths before the year is out. Right, 180 days remaining. Yeah, I'm I just trying to think that's still 000. a lot – it's still a lot of people because I'm thinking like we had 500 or so – I mean, the death toll here, even though it's gone down, the number of hospitalizations and intubations have gone up. It's weird. It's very weird. Right, and it's cyclical, and you know, it takes. But, but I mean, a thousand deaths a day, a long plateau of a thousand deaths a day, means that we end up 
with about 280,000 dead for the year of this disease, which is very high. Now, frankly, I was struck by some database I was looking at, I think through CNN. Per capita, we are doing better than a lot of European countries, a lot of like Italy, Spain, France, not Germany, England, UK. So, you know, in that regard, that's that's not bad. Let me ask you a question. What do you think is going to be the the, the change, a, a pivot point for you? Like what... At what point will you say, I'll, I'll go out more or I'll be more comfortable going to the supermarket? Because I have friends, like I talk to other people and they everybody's level, quarantine level right. has changed and it's different. And some are based geolocation, based on where they are, based on the situation that they're in. Well, my, Do well, they, the pivot point for me will be one of a few things. One, some tremendous professional opportunity that requires me to do something outside my house. Okay. Right. So someone says, you know, We'd like to be a visiting professor at this university for a year, and it sounds great, but i got to get there, right? Or there's a meeting you really have to attend in person, right? It's just super important. But I can't imagine that happening because the way Zoom works and everything like that. Second, a family thing, and that family thing could take one of three forms. My son's – one or both of my sons is able to start college in the fall and needs to get out there. Okay. Right? Um, Which you will drive, right? no flying. Yeah. My mother is sick. Gotcha. She is sick, but if she gets sick. Okay. Right. That would, I would drive. I've told her that, but I mean, and she has a room there that's clean and ready in case of an emergency, and separate from the rest of the house. And I can then eat, like I can get go to the Safeway and buy my groceries and everything like that. I hope it doesn't come to that. Um, I would say that if by mid twenty twenty one, I there were still like, by then I'll just fly. At some point, I would say within nine months from now, I'll probably just fly to San Francisco. I could see that. But here, you're willing to to continue like. In the same pattern of behavior, like until when? Like, well, the third the third issue is that I mean I'm you know frankly if if it becomes an issue where like my wife is really pushing me to go out and do more stuff and I don't feel safe I'll probably like do what I always do and just do it. Um, but but for me personally, I don't care. Like I, I'm but but you know I have developed these superpowers that apparently are really useful now. Like I really can just sit at home and read a book and write and, and watch Netflix. You and like, many, you and many introverts, and you and many people. With, I'm not an introvert. I know, I, I but I'm saying plans. there are. I'm not saying you are. I'm saying there are many people who are like, "Welcome to my life," and this is how I choose to live, and I'm completely comfortable this way, and I'm okay this with this. But I'm like, at what point? Like, I have friends I mean, that are like. There's not – what would I do if I could go out other than go to a friend's house, right? I can't go to a restaurant. I can't go to a baseball game. I can't really go to the – So here's a scenario. Like, I get a call. Come meet me at Petco. Come meet me at Petco. Come walk with me to Petco. We can – you know, and then we can walk and go grab a cup of coffee. I'm like, grab a Petco cup of coffee. Dogs, yeah. So, yeah. So I was like – so I'm sitting in my uh, my apartment and this is my mentality. Like, of course I want to see my friends. I'm like you. I am a social – I am going out of my mind here just because I miss people. I miss being around right. people. But I turned down I turned down the kind of uh, – the uh, social distancing walks all the time because I don't believe they're real. Yeah, I felt this – so I'm like – my whole thing is – and my thinking, and this is a thousand percent the way I see it, why would I want to keep you out? You're out already for some reason. You need to take the dog to the vet. You need to go return something. Right. You need to go pick something up. I want to see you. I want to walk with you. I want to hang out with you. I don't need to put you in a situation where you feel like you need to go into Starbucks, pick up a cup of coffee. God forbid, like something happens while you're out right. hanging out with me. And Why would I that, do that? You never know when you get it. I mean, you don't like, like if, if you. If but you also, you know but I also it. understand that you can't live in this like paranoid fucked up in your head of like never going out. Like this is the, this is the conversation I have. Like you eventually at some point. Have to go out. You have to be able to reintegrate into the world. How are you? Right. Can't like live in your apartment forever. You eventually have to. I need a job. Like I eventually have to get some kind of income. Like right. it. I, but I don't feel like right now. As much as I want to hang out with you, I don't need to go sit in at, behind Columbia and have a picnic lunch. Right. Also, if it's so stressful, right? Yeah. I mean, but although one of my friends who's very good exactly. at social distancing. Taking it very seriously, and he's older. He said that over the weekend, his son, who's you know an adult, and his son's wife and their kids came over to their house and had a pool party. And they said, you know, we've all been doing this, and I, you know, I mean, I'm sure they're fine, you know. But I mean, I think that if, if it's a kind of, it is on some level like if you're if you know that 
that you've been really good about this, then maybe you can. But I just don't, to me, it's not worth the stress. Right. I feel the same way as you. And I also feel like people have their bubbles and like who they're willing to let in. But once you go and penetrate or infiltrate their bubble, you are then also bringing that back to your bubble. Right. I I don't know. It's so fucked up. My older son is probably going to go for a few weeks to stay with his cousin upstate. I think he'll be all right. But, you know, he's going to be very careful before, like the few days before he goes, he's not going to leave the house. I mean, it's, you know, it's... How's he getting there? They'll drive him. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting. I think think it's a really fascinating look at psychology and sociology and humanity and basic human But But everyone who's, everyone who's like the super social distancers, Right, the people who are really doing it seriously, they're making everyone healthier. They're helping everybody. So there is I just feel like if I can I, I'm in a position where I can do this. It's easier for me than for most people. So I'll just do it. Right. It's I mean for right now it's easier for me too, but it's also like it's 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 also hard to continue to tell your friends no. Like yeah. I'm not yeah. I'm not comfortable. Not I don't want to see you or I don't trust you because basically what you're saying, underlying all of that is I think you're fucking crazy for hanging out like this. I think you, I don't know, understand why you're doing it, but I would never say that to you. Right. But But like I have, I have one friend who every day day when he's walking his dog comes by my house, calls me from the street. I come to the top of my stoop. He stays on the sidewalk and that's my social life. Right. You know, but, and it's his big part of his social life. You at least have that. I don't, once I walk in my door to my apartment, I don't even have that. Right. Right. Like I don't have, I don't. I look out my window. I yelled down at somebody. I had a conversation through my window at a guy that, you know, my friend that drove by on his bike and screamed up the, up the window. It's, it's very, you know, I think, again, it's based geolocation and where you're based. Like, if you can get in a car and drive to someone's house and sit in their backyard and stay yeah. 10 feet away from them, God bless you to be able to do that. And you know that they're safe. I think that go ahead. Like, that's safe. That's fine. You can't use their ba- – do you use their bathroom? Do you bring your own beverages? Do you bring your own food? Do you bring your own silverware? Right. Like you can't touch anything in their house. There's so many – everything ripples well, out. you're visiting your friend, now that the weather's nice, you stay outside. If well, for sure. Friend, what? Yeah, for sure. 100 percent everything is outside. But you bring your food. You know, but I mean – But nobody but has like porta johns outside their house. Like eventually you stay somewhere long enough, you're going to have to use the bathroom. Right. I mean I heard one case where, they, where the family said we're taking – you know, we're going to have – like the one family was going to pitch a tent in the other family's yard and they said, we have one downstairs bathroom. We're going to sanitize it and only you use it while you're here. Yeah. You have to think outside the box. But you have to have those of you with two bathrooms in a yard, right? I mean, Correct. Two bathrooms in a yard. But I also think that, you know, like if you have 30 people at a today's Memorial Day, at a Memorial Day barbecue in New York, one of them is going to have it. But you can't even at have least. 30 people. The group number is – Oh, but I'm saying it's like less than 10 is the number, which I even but still think is high. But if you have 30 people at a barbecue in Kansas, it's not obvious someone has it. You know, it is different in place yeah. to place. But, of course, we just don't know because we can't get any fucking tests because, you know, the lunacy. Right. All right. Well, here's to uh, observing Memorial Day, sitting in our yeah. apartments and watching the tweets go by and, watch, you know, the golf games and the rage tweeting – Happy Memorial Day. What a dumb fuck. What a dumb fuck. Like, clearly he got the phone back from somebody because I don't even think Stephen Miller would tweet Happy Memorial Day. No, I, you know, this is... I mean, it it, it is is just an abomination and embarrassment on a global fucking level and, uh, ugh, just horrible. Just horrible, but, you know, there's hope. (laughs) There's hope. There's hope. All right. All right, Lincoln, if you think of anything else or if anything else crosses your mind or, you know, we'll see what happens in the next few days. I'll see you up at the Hill. All right, stay safe. All right, bye. All right, you had some postscript. This is the first time ever we have a postscript. We have a text. I want to add something. I had a thought. Go. Just quickly, it shouldn't go unnoticed that Donald Trump went to a Ford Motor Plant in Michigan and took the opportunity to refer to Henry Ford, perhaps one of the most noted, perhaps the most noted and influential anti-Semite in American history, yes. as having good bloodlines. Yes. And that, um, when people say, well, I don't think Trump's an anti-Semite, or he supports Israel, we should remember that he took, he went off script to underscore uh, the anti-Semitic and using terms like good bloodlines referring to Henry Ford is not much of a it's not much of a dog whistle it's pretty clear what he's talking about but he's done that before with the whole bloodline it's in my genes and my DNA bullshit he was referring to Henry Ford 
praising him as a great man with good bloodlines, as if that meant anything to the workers there. But unfortunately, and that's the kind of thing, just to close, that the only people who understand that are Jews and the anti-Semites. The rest of America doesn't even understand that because they don't know who Henry Ford was. But I think people should know. Who well, Henry they know Ford who Henry Ford was. They don't know about the depth of Henry of Ford's right. anti-Semitism. Right. But he, was, he wasn't just like a casual anti-Semite. He had thousands of copies of the Protocols of the Elders of, Elders of Zion printed. He was singled out by Hitler and Mein Kampf as, as the only American about whom Hitler spoke positively. I mean, he was a really, he funded Father Coughlin, who was, you know, this kind of anti-Semite during the Depression. He was a really nasty, nasty anti-Semite. Um, and uh, Trump went out of his way, not just to praise him, but to praise him in coded anti-Semitic language. Whenever you're talking about World War II era and you talking about good bloodlines, it's pretty clear what you're talking about. I wonder, but you know what, what I find fascinating? Because I do think that Trump is innately really dumber than a bag of dicks. And I don't yeah. say that to be facetious or smart or right. tongue-in-cheek. He's not smart. He's he not is smart. a fucking idiot. But somebody either, because he said it before, and he's used that whole eugenics kind of thing, I wonder if that if that was just something that was transplanted him or if that is something reinforced today by someone like a Stephen Miller or like a Seb Gorka or like a any one of those like I don't know but Gorka's not around enough to really have that kind of not anymore but Stephen Miller is still there I think what happens is I mean because it wasn't in the text he departed from the text and I think he remembered something out of his mind about Henry Ford Um, and 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 what that tells you is the depths of 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 Trump's own bigotry because most people when they think of Henry Ford what they might have thought was, oh, he was a great innovator, but he was an anti-Semite, right? That's how some people might phrase it. But for Trump, he went straight to he has good bloodlines. I mean, whoever talk, well, like, like I, I can't think of any context where I refer to another human being as having good bloodlines. Like, when is that appropriate? Never, um, but, but, isn't. but he's also, I just think, I wonder where, what triggers that because he is so innately stupid when he does know, go I off agree. of any teleprompter or any... I think, what, I think what triggers that is that random seeming thoughts fly into his head when he's on a topic. So he's talking about, you know, uh, manufacturing uh, masks and suddenly he sees a bird fly by and he talks about birds wearing masks. I mean, he's, it's that level of intellectual incapacity. Right. Yeah, he also wasn't wearing a mask, and they right. they made they made a point of telling everyone. I right. mean, it's un, it, it's just unbelievable. I mean, it was that it was the fact that he didn't. T- I mean, he doesn't touch on the fact that they they made ventilators and they started making PPE like they were doing any of those other things. He did go right to that horrendously anti-Semitic comment that did rightly so get all of the attention. In yeah. the media, because as soon as he—I mean, it wasn't—it's no longer like a dog whistle. It's like a fucking foghorn. It's literally right. like, right. you know, un, unreal. I just find the fact that he can pull something like that out of his innocuously vacant brain amazing. It shows you—I mean, he doesn't have too many thoughts floating around in his head, but it shows you the ones that are there are deeply twisted. Correct. I agree. I, I agree with you, and I think that that's All a right. very good point to bring up in your little—in our post-text— Postscript. Postscript. Thank you. From the All right. From the from the professor at Columbia, which he also fucking right. railed on in a tweet. Who was he talking about there specifically? I don't know if it was anyone specific. I think it was just the university in okay. general. Because even Tom Arnold then tweeted like I'm I, I couldn't be more proud to hold a degree from Columbia University. So all of these Columbia alumnus, alumni, alumni came out and were like, you well, know. I have three, so. Yeah, listen, nobody's nobody's counting the number of degrees. It was more just the fact that he attacked Columbia University. Right, right. So in a long line of those he's attacked, just added to the fucking list. Well, Obama went to Columbia. Maybe Obama it was that. Well, it could be a lot of things. I didn't, I, there are, I, I, I'm done reading anything that he tweets other than, you know, the shit that goes by that is like, in yeah. all caps, happy Memorial Day, like a fucking putznik. Yeah. All right, good good right. for the postscript. We'll wrap it up and we'll get it up. Talk to you later. All right, bye. All right, so we're wrapping up the postscript with the postscript ending to the rant, which would be follow Lincoln Mitchell on the Twitter, at Lincoln Mitchell. Follow him on the Instagram, at Lincoln A. Mitchell. Check out his website, LincolnMitchell.com. He throws up the hashtag Mitchell Minute every single day. You can get a little nugget of what's going on in the, in, in the world from Lincoln's perspective. And uh, take a deeper dive when he jumps on the podcast or text him or DM him or tweet at him. He will gladly continue the conversation. Uh, He's also on the Book of Faces, uh, and you can find him there at Lincoln Mitchell. Um, Just go to his website. You could really find him from everywhere if you you go to his website and and then navigate from there. Uh, You could find me on the Twitter, get ready, 
at DJ Doodleheads because at Small Pencil Club has been thrown into Twitmo. And I've been thrown into Twitmo briefly because I called out Ben the Rapist Roethlisberger for that horrendous publicity stunt of going to get his hair and his beard cut at his fucking barber where they staged a fucking photo shoot. It wasn't some, I'm going to my barber, here's my Instagram story. They legit knew what they were doing when they broke the mandatory lockdown stay-at-home order for Pennsylvania when they set up a fucking photo shoot at his barber because Ben the Rapist Roethlisberger's barber clearly thinks he's the only motherfucker who's suffering right now. So he was going to stage a a video shoot and damn well knew that if Ben Roethlisberger put it out on his Instagram, CNN would be calling and sure as shit, CNN called and Brianna Keeler, who's normally very good at pushing back, gave this motherfucking barber the opportunity to talk about his barbershop and how they staged the photo shoot of him just cutting his friend's hair and beard, no mask, no social... Ben didn't have a mask on, the barber didn't have a mask on, nor did the two camera people that you could see in the reflection of the fucking mirror wearing any masks. So those two motherfuckers who were like, here's my Instagram story, we just did a quick little barbershop visit to get a shape up and a tr- and a beard trim. Fuck out of here. You staged the whole motherfucking PR stunt to help your fucking barber out when every other motherfucking small business is suffering 36 million, 40 million people fucking unemployed and you're going to pull this kind of bullshit to get your barber on fucking CNN? You're damn right I'm going to call you out on Twitter and you could throw my ass in Twitmo for that. I have no fucking problem. And it also could have been the fact that I called out the feckless, conveniently Jewish cunt Ivanka Trump and her pussy-grabbing shithole, racist-as-fuck, anti-Semitic daddy for their typical tweeting bullshit. So that is why At Small Pencil Club is currently in the clink, and I now am at DJ Doodleheads, and I think the only person following me is Lincoln, but if you want to follow me on the Twitter, that's where I'll be until I appeal or Twitter appeals my tweets because I refused to delete them and take them down because I could have actually deleted the tweets and started the countdown timer and only been in Twitmo for 12 hours and 59 minutes. But instead I was like, not this fucking time. This is some straight up bullshit during a global fucking pandemic. And I'm going to appeal my motherfucking first amendment rights to tweet out that Ben, the rapist Roethlisberger pulled a bullshit publicity stunt with his fucking barber in defying a mandatory stay at home order and went for a motherfucking haircut so his barber could get on TV. Fuck that. So they're going to, I'm appealing my tweets. So I have this temporary account at DJ Doodleheads. You could find me there. Find me on the Instagram at Doodleheads. Come join the jam fam. We dance every night, eight o'clock Eastern time. You can meet the peeps at the jam fam. You could talk about baking, gardening, life, coping, we speak in Spanish, we speak in French, we got people from Haiti showing up, we got the Israeli crew coming through, we got the Dominicans, we got the Puerto Ricans, we got the Jews, we got the people on the left coast, on the right coast. We are open and diverse, and there is no motherfucking dress code. So come hang out, it's a good way to spend an hour, and I dance like an idiot, like no one's watching, when everybody in the Jam Fam is watching. And until the next time... Wash your goddamn hands, wear a motherfucking mask, check on your people, and peace and hair grease.